Welcome to the Wish Day Podcast. Uh, it is season two. Today, I'm here with a very, very special friend of mine, um, Cody. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Cody. Uh, hello. Um, my name is Cody. I currently reside in Flagstaff, but I'm originally from the Big Mountain and Black Mesa region. Hmm. So, Cody and I have known each other for, I want to say, at least two years. And I believe we met at the info shop, one of those events. And ever since then, one of the things that always came up was a discussion about uh, indigenous feminism um, and what it's like, or how it plays out, what its practices are, um, as well as just like the indigenous community, or like how its relation to the indigenous to indigenous communities. Sorry, it sounds like to the indigenous communities. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, the one thing Cody didn't mention was that they worked with Black Mesa Water Coalition, BWMC. No, BMWC. I always get the acronyms messed up. Um, so how did you get involved with the work at Black Mesa Water Coalition? Um, my cousin Eden did the fellowship last summer, well, in 2017, my cousin Eden did the fellowship, and then um, that's how I first heard about BMWC's work, and then I went to a water forum at Hard Rock Chapter House, and BMWC was hosting it, and um, yeah, the ED had asked me if I um, found interest in that line of work and then she told me about the summer fellowship and then she told me that I should apply and so I did and I got in. Nice, nice. And one of the things too is that you, you recently had time to present um, the topics of indigenous feminism. Um, could you give us like just a brief summary as to um, you know what that presentation was about? Yeah, um, it held a lot of different um, aspects of indigeneity and also the <clears throat> uh, word of feminism. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard to find um, material on indigenous feminism because it's not a very talked about topic. It's usually just like mainstream feminism, um, which is associated with white feminism. Um, and then I believe um, people call it marginalized feminism. Mm -hmm. It's the third or fourth wave of fem feminism. Um, so that's something that we talked about as well at the PME, the Protecting Mother Earth conference last summer. Um, we gave a presentation, we had our own space, and it was really interesting to hear um, people's different ideas and thoughts of what they believe feminism is, or what they've been taught about feminism, whether from like personal, personal um, experiences or coming from families, 
or just something that they've read. Um, and it always is like inter intertwined with like white feminism. Mm -hmm. So indigenous feminism is different from any other form of feminism because it's believed that it's intersectional um, and also they just don't focus on, you know, women's rights. They prioritize um, indigenous sovereignty, decolonization, um, dismantling like white supremacy and capitalism as well in their communities. Yeah, I think <clears throat> in, in, in the times that you were hearing other perspectives on feminism, did that contribute, did that help you, um, I guess not understand, but did it alter your own understandings of feminism when you heard other people's version of it? Um, or has your stance on feminism, on indigenous feminism, kind of stayed the same? I, everybody there kind of shared the same mm -hmm. ideas about feminism. It was only like a few people who were non-native, non-indigenous, who kind <laughs> of like put their input in and everybody was like, what? Like, and um, yeah, just like over, over time, like doing that work, a lot of people would question about like, oh, what's like, what's indigenous feminism? Why is it so different? And like, there's like several different types of feminism. There's black feminism, there's like liberal feminism, there's communist femi feminism. And they're all very different. I think I wouldn't consider myself a feminist mm -hmm. just because I read, I read in a book one time about how um, Native people don't really associate with that, like, belief of being a feminist, mm -hmm. because we're, we come from, like, a history of, like, a society of, like, egalitarian, mm -hmm. where men, you know, there's no hierarchy in our communities. And I believe that's, like, what white feminism, like, spreads is that like m women are better than men, women need more power than men, but that's not how you get things moving in your communities. There can't be a hierarchy in a community because mm -hmm. nobody will strive in that way. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think like one of the things that I've noticed when discussions of feminism is definitely the distinction between white feminism and indigenous feminism. And the way that you mention the work you do as it relates to Black Mesa Water Coalition, as well as the distinction of white feminism, is it safe to say that indigenous feminism, for, that t for the lack of a better term right now, um, that one involves like relationships to the land? And I, I, that's the one thing that I noticed, at least for the most part, is that indigenous feminism has a, a relation to land and water, earth, and the elements, you know, it, it, how would you, what, what's been the reaction that you had when you tell non-natives about that kind of relationship? Like, is it like a, what, or like a... <laughs> they like romanticize it too much. <laughs> They're like, oh my gosh, that's so powerful, that's so deep, like, I never thought about that, like, when it comes to talking about feminism. And it's just like, of course you don't think about those things. Like, you know, you don't, you just, you don't see these things as, like, necessities. And, or, like, you know, you, like it, like it said, like, they just, like, go with, like, what's new and what's, like, really out there, which is white feminism, which is very, like, commercialized. And it's, like, just, yeah. I think, because, like, I've... I think it's always that that one thing where you talk about the identity is that for us there is a relationship to the land and it's a very narrow thing where like you mention that and then immediately white people are like oh you're one with the land you know and you know and it's like how have you managed to like kind of steer away from that or um, you know 
what's what's that like when that does happen? How do you respond? You know, when you see white people starting to romanticize it. Honestly, I've just become so it's just normalized now, mm-hmm. which is bad. Mm-hmm. I don't have any reaction towards it anymore, honestly, <laughs> um, because you know they they either question it and like are like oh no like that's you know that's not true or like they're like oh like that's so cool like oh my gosh so it's like split in between I guess Mm -hmm. I don't really know I've never been in a situation to where somebody's been like that's weird like what do you mean like you're one with the land like yeah (laughs) so I don't know I wouldn't really know how Mm -hmm a situation like that would go down. <laughs> what's like the most, um, I guess not to focus too much on it, but like just, what's like the weirdest, like the most, I guess awkward moment you've had when you've tried to have these discussions? Has there ever been any awkward moments? I mean. Yeah, I was at, where was I? I was at some event on the res, I can't remember where, but it was this dude and he had asked me, like, oh, what, well, like, what do you do for work? And it was around the same time as um, the fellowship. And I told him, and then he was like, he was like, what? He was like, what's that? He was like, I've never, I've never heard about indigenous feminism. Like, mm. he was like, I usually just, like, you know, like, hear about feminism from, like, my mom or my sisters. Mm-hmm. Or, like, what I read online. Or he's like, or the women's march. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, then I asked him, like, you know, what, what is indigenous feminism mean to you I was like because my whole you know concepts and ideas about indigenous feminism can be way different than yours Mm -hmm. and so um, he told me like I don't know he was like I think it's just you know native women labeling themselves as like feminism and I'm like oh okay well (laughs) I was like I don't know no no (laughs) and um, I had given given him some like material to read read on books, articles, blogs that talk about indigenous feminism. And yeah, it was a little awkward because I don't really know how he's doing now. I don't mm. know. Yeah, you never got the His whole response to it was like kind of like I was like talking down on him for um, not knowing what indigenous feminism was. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of like stayed silent the whole time while I was like giving him all this material. Mm-hmm. And he was he just walked away from me. I was like, okay. Yeah, that that's actually an int- that that was gonna be my next question. Is like, what is your view on indigenous feminism? Um, and and to be fair, I'll give my view so that it's not just you know one sided or anything. And okay. then you can you, you're open to critiquing my view, and that's fine. Okay. Well, I think what indigenous feminism is to me is it's inclusive intersectional but at the same time it's also in some ways very colonial as well Mm -hmm. just because the word feminism is colonial Mm -hmm. and the whole history of feminism as well Mm -hmm. so yeah like I said like do I root for feminism sure yeah but you have your reservations what? You have your reservations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> um, so, like, okay. And, and, and as I promised, mine would be similar. Uh, it would be inclusive to both, like, uh, non-native. Or, should we, I don't want to say inclusive to white feminism because I, I, I think my I, I'm very critical of white feminism. Uh, just because of the power relations it ignores for the most part it's between usually white women and white men with indigenous my okay I'm trying to think it would be intersectional in the sense that it is inclusive to all women including femme so trans inclusive non-binary inclusive which I'm still um, reading up upon and I I don't want to sound cheesy but I guess it would involve like an analysis that involves land and um, and the reason why I agree that is because I think that's so very important to our relation to the land, especially in a settler state. And I thought I find it interesting that you you mentioned the romantic romanticization of it, and that's something that I whenever I mention it to like 
in talks of poli in, in political talks, it's they're always kind of looking at you like, oh, like you know, they're like you're a mystical creature of the wood. You know, you're walking in like a tiny little like loincloth, <laughs> you know, and you come out of the woods and you're like, you start crying when you see someone, <laughs> you know, drop a litter or something. No, you know, it, it's a very just regular relationship that's involving responsibility. So that, that that's how I view indigenous feminism. I do see what you mean with like the the aspect that it has been pretty colonial and that prior to this we did come from like a society of egalitarianism um, so like when we have these, mo these these moments of like uh, like white feminism it's always a little wonky and I've been working out like how you know how, how I go about it it's always something that I think people should learn it, it, yeah I, the more I think about it the more it, it just unravels a lot of things but it, I think it's a really good set of politics to go by. Um, it's made me really rethink, like, you know, I not rethink ideas of matriarchy, but really look at it as to what it means. Um, because I've heard people use, like, matriarchy. I'm like, oh, like I get it, you know? Because sometimes, sometimes it goes into that idea of, like, women should rule everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, because... It, I don't know. Again, like I said, I'm a dude. Yeah. So I'm well, cis hetero. So like, it, there's that aspect too of like, okay, am I just doing this because of that? But my understanding is that it's definitely got to be equal, and that since colonial has been, since colonialism has first, you know, started its project, things got offsetted. Both policies that really distributed wealth. I'm sorry, dist well, distributed wealth and power based on gender. So there's that aspect. But I think once the U.S. gets dissolved and there's nothing left, then that's for us to really start working on as a project. But, yeah, sorry, you were going to say something? Yeah, I would, well, you just, like, said matriarchy, and that was also a big thing that people brought up as well, is, like, you know, people say that the, that the Navajo Nation, it's a matriarchal society, mm -hmm. and, like, I, maybe other tribes do as well, say that they come from a matriarchal society, but... I mean, I actually don't, you know, necessarily believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, indigenous native women have, like, been on the, like, front line mm -hmm. of resistance for so long, but at the same time, like, matriarchy is, like, also very exclusive to trans women, mm -hmm. to non-binary folks, and... Um, you know, when you talk about matriarchy, it's mainly just cis hetero women who are involved in the conversation. Yeah. And that's like why I'm just like, what? Like, no. Like, whenever, you know, somebody's like, honor the matriarchy, I'm like, oh, like, you know, what, what does your matriarchy like entail then? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing too, is because I saw, I saw a cis hetero woman give a presentation saying why we don't need feminism. And one of the things that I noticed was that she was focusing on, like, childbirth, you know, reproduction. And I'm like, is that, like, matriarchy? And if it is, that's how you define it, then that's very trans-exclusive, non-binary-exclusive. And, you know, in that moment, I was just like, whoa. And I don't know. It, it's something that, again, like I said, just we have to be critical of. In your experience, do you see that, like, I guess we're going to be using, like, turf you know, trans, <laughs> trans <laughs> radical or trans exclusive radical feminism. I think, you know, that I think it slips into a lot of discussions of like matriarchy, you know, especially with Chiru. And, you know, and it's like, it's good to call it out because it's like, wait, what about these people? And again, like I said, I'm not trying to dis dismiss all the work that cis hetero women have done, but a lot of trans women and trans, the trans community has done a lot for us in progress and we can't erase that sorry there's a lot of words like a lot of alliteration that I'm like okay hold on let me get this right I feel like on social media that phrase turf has been used a lot yeah over yeah. the past few days yeah <laughs> due to somebody well yeah I, I feel you on that one um and the thing too is we, we won't call out names or anything but specifically that aspect is I think one of the things that I think we mentioned is just like the the subtlety of us excluding the trans community, non-binary community, that it's very, 
it, at this point it always it, it's what's the word I'm looking it's normalized like it's we don't have a second thought about it I don't want to say it's common sense we do it all the time speaking from my community of cis hetero people say it without really thinking about it because based on that you know you do see people defending certain people when they do put language like that and they're like how can they be doing that when they you know how they feature them and it's like eh, it's a little bit trickier than that but that again that could just be part of like the whole radical feminists that tend to exclude trans community <laughs> <laughs> uh, has it has um has your work with Black Mesa Water Community? Black sorry, Mesa the Water. water oh my God! I'm so sorry. The Black Just Mesa. BMWC. Well, the thing is, I'm going to mess it up again and be like BWMC, the Black Mesa Water Coalition. Back to the topic. The work that you've, you know, done with them. It's, you're, you're getting far because you're going to these places, and it occurs that a lot of people do have very similar ideas. Has there been like, a, like maybe something you've noticed that's just a little bit different between these? different types of indigenous feminism or do they all hit the same points they all most likely yeah they all hit the same points when it comes to expressing about indigenous feminism just because i think indigenous feminism is taught to us at a young age but it's just not labeled Mm -hmm. it's taught to us by our grandparents our great-grandparents if they're still around when you're younger Mm -hmm. and it's just like you know respecting your relationship with the land and like you know then like as you grow older you know you just like you learn and you unlearn behaviors Mm -hmm. and you're just taught all these things and like you know you make community and you get to share like what your what their parents what their parents taught them and like you get to share what your parents taught you and like it just like it's very similar but at the same time like it's also different because you know as indigenous peoples like I just feel like we are we come from like the same upbringing to where you know you're you're in ceremony or like you are being woken up before the sun if you're (laughs) if you're like raised like that and like it's just like having that like also just being taught like that self-discipline and like Mm -hmm. you know just growing up and like it's you're always thrown like constructive criticism as well growing up (laughs) yeah sometimes it's not even constructive sometimes just criticism but like I think that's really what shapes people into some people I wouldn't say all you know it really shapes some people into like Believing, believing in like you know the work of indigenous feminism. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing too is my understanding and my upbringing is that it's just there like respecting relations. It's it's very I, I don't want to sum it up to that, but it's like that would be like the most like first step respect relations to both human and non-human relatives. And then as you grow up, depending on your family, sometimes they're super conservative. They might be Christian. But the way we're raised is kind of in line with that. And in my way, case, it was a mixture of like traditional traditionalism and uh, Christianity. And then when I started unlearning some, you know, negative homophobic uh, Christian beliefs, it was like, okay, wow, this isn't really that much different than what I've grown up with. And I think that's like the beauty of it is that it's like once you realize what the like that, it's actually just what you've grown up with, just including more than just like yourself it's a little bit liberating you know granted yeah it doesn't happen overnight and it does take work and it's a constant I don't want to say struggle but you learn and learn you unlearn and learn things pretty much sorry I I thought I was going to sneeze when you talk about indigenous feminism is there like how do you go about that like I mean, this like this like this whole podcast has just been like this episode particularly just trying to like start it off. But like when you go into these like moments, these spaces of education, do you do you have like a, a goal in mind or maybe like a a plan of how you're gonna go about it? You know how how what is that? How do you how do you operate? <laughs> I always go into it with humor mm-hmm. and also like you know warning warning language as well. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because some of these topics, when talking about indigenous feminism, can be triggering mm-hmm. to some people. And like, it's a very, it's a very heavy subject to talk about, just because of like how indigenous communities are affected mm-hmm. by, you know, all this bullshit that's thrown at us. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to say it because everybody knows yeah. what we go through, mm-hmm. and like. I also try to keep myself involved in conversation as well mm-hmm. and also have like open dialogue to where like I'm not the only one that's just like talking. I want to hear other people's ideas. I want to hear other people's like new thoughts, old thoughts. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I would want them to walk away wanting to learn more, mm-hmm. wanting to like you know, go back to their communities and, like, share this with them. Because that's, like, how movement building begins mm-hmm. is when you educate and share with your communities. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you see, like, a surge? Or, not? I don't want to say... <clears throat> do you see it growing, like, this indigenous feminism growing in, like, the consciousness of people? You know, when you go to these different... Uh, these different spaces of organizing, do you see people incorporating it more? Is that something you notice? Um, I wouldn't really know how to, like, point it out if I, like, mm-hmm. you know, were looking for it. <laughs> Maybe if it, would, if it was, like, you know, people just, like, I don't know. The best way I can say it is just, like, people not being all somehow towards each other. Yeah. That's the best way I can say it. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, treating people with respect would be yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I mean, again, it just goes back to how simple indigenous feminism is. It's just, well, I don't want to say simple, but how its most basic thing is just treat things with respect. That goes from pronouns to sexuality to gender, all of that. And and race as well, and gender. Did I say gender? Did I say gender twice? I think I said it once. It's that important. And so it's it's like it's like that. And I, I for me it's something that I like I've made mistakes with people's pronouns. Um, even using gendered language, which I'm working on. And that's like the basic that people can do to like reaching that goal of just everybody with respect. Like with the pronoun thing, I understood that at a young age, not specifically with the pronoun, but gender, but it's more of like my grandfather would be like, hey, people have nicknames, people don't have nicknames, people have a certain way they want to be called, respect that. And, you know, so then when it came to this discussion of pronouns, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, and that goes back to the fact that we're kind of taught like that already. It's just we need to be more inclusive as to what those practices involve. And, and you know, and even to the land, you know, I, hate, I always go back, I know, everybody's like, God damn it, like, what the hell is with this land thing? But it's like, it's, it's, it's a little bit crucial not to self-essentialize, but it, it, no matter, most of the time I feel like people are like, <laughs> so, in the, like, what what do you imagine the future of, of, of social movements? You know, what what would you like to see it look like? And what would you like to see it practice? Oh shit! Um, for social movements, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I feel like. With today, I feel like today people are doing better. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are wanting to strive for better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they don't want to be put in or have their children be put into, like, this whole shitty world, government, whatever the hell, whatever you want to call it, yeah. that, like, they were in to, like, you know, why they're in, like, these, like, movements or whatever. Um, but I guess also it's just, like, I don't know. That's a good question. I will go home and think about it. Yeah. <clears throat> For me, it's, again, it's more inclusivity, but also more open to criticism and more accountability responsibility I guess on the part you know for people who want to make that uh, who are learning and if you are learning congrats or like thank, thank you if someone criticizes you it's not like a 
it's not like an attack on your character for the most part, um, and that you should just learn from it because <laughs> you know it, it does happen. And again, I'm I'm the product of criticism. Shout out to all those people who took the time to call me out on my shit. <laughs> you know who you are. They're probably yeah. I don't know if they listen. Yeah, they probably some of them probably listen to this podcast. Shout out to you. Anyway. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Right, well, I mean, even yeah, like, even you, you called me out on certain things, specifically like language, and I'm like, okay, I need to work on that. Um, but go ahead, you're gonna say something. Oh yeah, I was. <laughs> I don't know why I made this question seem so more difficult than I how I did. Um, I agree with you. <laughs> like just like accountability and yeah. like respecting people's boundaries, pronouns, <laughs> and also just like taking that initiative to. I I don't I don't really like calling using like call out culture yeah it's um like calling in i guess i know that sounds also well cheesy or whatever but i agree with you yeah um, like calling culture is like it's more safe it's it's more safe at times you know um in certain situations like calling out like calling out like you know a sexual predator like that's there's there's certain moments for it yeah. And like like yeah, call in like you know if somebody's not using the right pronouns for somebody. Yeah. So being like it's they them. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that, that's that's like the thing is like I have my I think like I said call out culture has its uses, its function in certain moments. And I think for those people that are struggling to learn are not struggling but they're they're making their way but they still make mistakes that's the perfect time for calling culture um, but if it's like a sexual predator it's that racist old man you know in this coffee shop with the thumbs yeah <laughs> or you know it's, it's that it's that I mean and and it's I, I've worked I've, I've learned to just always start off with just the calling thing you know keep it between us and that's usually how people call me out um, and then if it does need to if it, not that not and if there's something else it's like yo watch out for that person they've been abusive for like ever you know and even sometimes like yeah like I said it just has its function so if you're one of those people I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, this is our drinking break right here just FYI we're in like Bookman so if you hear like a lot of random people in the background earlier you probably heard the dog and I was like damn the dog is barking really loud I was like I'm gonna go over there and be like get you Get out of here. You know. So, we, I've been wanting to have this conversation with you. Um, mainly because you have a very unique position. You work as an educator. And the topic that you talk about is unique. And so, you, you I think, provide insight that a lot of people of us, a lot of people do tend to miss or overlook. And I'm sorry. That's why I was surprised. I was like, oh, yeah. We're gonna do that podcast today. That's <laughs> why so you're like, it was like at the beginning, you're just like, yo, we're gonna do the podcast. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't think it was gonna be so abrupt like that. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you know, what are, you, what are some advice you have for people who wanna learn more about indigenous feminism or I guess, yeah, just being more respectful? You know, do you have any advice for somebody listening right now? Because I feel like I do have a lot of cis hetero listeners who I hope are wanting to, you know, be, understand this more, but also practice it more. What, what advice do you have? Um, the best advice that I can give is don't depend on the queer community to mm-hmm. educate you. Um, you know, you can do that yourself. Mm-hmm. It's very basic. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of material out there. There's books, there's blogs, there's newsletters, there's articles, videos if you don't want to read. Um, <laughs> podcast. Podcast, that too. And it's, I mean, I don't think anybody can teach you respect. <laughs> I, think that's not, I think that's just like a basic thing that... <laughs> I don't know. My grandma taught me respect with the whip, but I mean that was just—I don't know. That's that—that's that—that's that, that old way of disciplining people. Not that I'm saying people should whip people. It's a lost, but but I think it's just like having to do with like 
Well, because, I mean, I... Growing up, I mean, I was always, like, harassed mm-hmm. because of just, like, how I identify mm-hmm. gender and sexuality-wise. And it's, you know, made me, like, really think, like, oh, fuck, like, I don't want to treat people like this, <laughs> so I'm not going to treat people like this. Yeah. I know how it feels. And that's just, like, how I think, like, self-discipline, like, mm-hmm. comes into it is, like, being disciplined with yourself. But that's not even it because... You just, I don't know, it's weird, like, basic respect (laughs) is just so hard to grasp for some people. Yeah, yeah. And um, it just, it fucks me up. Especially, like, from all all Native men. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, it fucks me up. Because I'm just like, wow, like, you know, people grew up with this. Yeah. (laughs) And people inherit it, and, like, they do their best to break those cycles from learning toxic toxic masculinity but also toxic femininity um from the first one always gets talked about a little bit more than the other one than the other one yeah see that's that's the thing that people believe that women are better than men it's just like no (laughs) women can be toxic as well women can be patriarchal as well women can be misogynistic as well Yeah, like it's like not to sum it up, but it's always about respect, and I think a lot of it just has to do with upbringing, or no, not upbringing, but just the certain things that were taught, and, and a lot of that does take that dog respect. <laughs> Someone too said dog respect. I'm just kidding. No. no, it's all like being like human centric, um, but uh, you, it, it's like yeah, like I said, respect, uh, and and taking the t- for me, respect means that you listen. You try to do your best to fix those problems, and, and you do it in a matter that's like relative. So I, I always think of it like this: is just however I want to be critiqued is how I should critique people, and that's usually calling in. But it's understandable if I do something that's like really out there that that point just got to call me out, and I don't, I'd understand. And and that's like the thing that it, that navigating that is a little difficult. Yeah, but well, I guess. Native men in general have that issue as well, and, and I think a lot of that to me ties to just the masculinity that we that was overhyped with white when, when when white men came here and they're like yo check out this masculinity you you control the land bro and it's like damn dog you're right <laughs> let me let me be like you and you know and then it's like oh shit now now like 150 years later we're like this is my crazy property you know. Um, but yeah, things like that, and it, it does again comes back to the land. I'm just kidding. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I think this has been pretty good. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to add to this podcast? Um, Is there anybody you'd like to call in? I'm just getting going. <laughs> a lot, a lot of people, uh-huh. especially over the past week. Mm-hmm. That's a little shade thrown. Just letting y'all know if you all don't pay attention to Instagram <laughs> shade or drama. Just FYI, it just is FYI. February first. So if you know the context, um, yeah, that I think, I, I guess we could kind of talk about that. We don't have to give names, but the role that 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 happened, you know, and I'll go first. I'll tell my story of the story as vaguely as possible. I'll try my best to be vague. And then again, like, and if you disagree with how I did anything or, you know, then let me know. It's all right. Again, this is one of those moments where I think this would be like a good moment for people to realize how discussions like this should go about because I think some people took it. Anyways, so a certain group got called out for uh, some problematic language and a lot of people criticized them. And they responded by and I say they because I don't know it's an organization and it's a collective so I'd rather just use they um, and I don't want to even if it was a certain individual it really wouldn't matter I, that's my thing is it should be the responsibility of the whole collective um, and in this case the collective um, chose to block and delete and deactivate comment sections which in turn silenced a lot of this, a lot of people in this community and um They've been doing this for a bit. I would say maybe, in my understanding, at least a year. Because about a year ago, around that time, I mentioned it. And I hoped that they would solve it. Um, After which, I left it alone. 
I didn't want to be too critical because, again, I didn't want to overstep my boundaries as a relative and be like, hey, you know. So I was like, I'll let it be. But then I noticed throughout times that they would have some exclusionary language again. I didn't say anything. I was like, all right, give it time. And then again, they were called out. And then I didn't really call them out this time, but people asked me to say something, specifically one person. Um, and then I did say something. I gave the back, the reason, the context as to why I was saying it. And then I made a meme about it, to which it actually got to that group of people and it made them feel somehow. And uh, some of those people contacted me and I told them. And, you know, it was just a meme. It wasn't too hardcore. Uh, and that was my way of holding it. I didn't, well, the thing is, I didn't think the meme would spread so fast. I, I thought no one would have seen it. It was specifically for my circle of, you know, my circle, who then, but it, it spread pretty far. Um, and so that was it. And my understanding is they recently put out a statement. I haven't read it because I'm still blocked. Which, again, if you're listening, you should probably unblock all those people you blocked for criticizing you or the statement is pointless. And, um, yeah, that's my understanding of this. Uh, what about your understanding? Or how did you go about this? How did it play out? <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of same. Mm -hmm. A lot of people contacted me as well. Um, about the situation that took place on social media and um, it really surprised me because I was like oh my gosh like why are people contacting me about this like I literally I feel like I, I mean like I feel like I don't have any relationship with this group of people anymore um, but at the same time I guess that doesn't um, justify that I shouldn't have said something but at the same time I didn't I really didn't want to get involved um, and yeah I I'm not blocked so I got to read everything <laughs> yeah um, but I'm pretty sure if they do listen to this and if I say that I'm not blocked I'm pretty sure they're gonna block me now you, but you would um, think they wouldn't though because that's the whole point of learning is you shouldn't like we I can understand that they blocked violent language, you know, maybe even personal attacks, like to calls for violence, but no one from what I've seen did that. So therefore they shouldn't, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but, <coughs> uh, yeah, I read a lot of um, comments <laughs> and they were all very similar and um, I don't know, it was, it was weird. Just because like when their statement came out, a lot of people were praising the person who runs the Instagram page and, you know, like, negating the fact that they're the ones who put out all of this material to empower women, to empower indigenous women, um, but, like, negating the fact that they were exclusive. <laughs> Um, and saying that they do a lot for, um, that they do a lot off of social media. Yeah. And it's just like, um, we're not, you know. Yeah. There's like no levels to what you do and what you don't do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's wild how much it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I kind of think it's funny how much it blew up. The thing too is it's like this, the things that this happens I think this was like the tipping point where those people who are constantly like, yo, what are you, you're making the same mistake. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this is enough. Like we're going, we're calling you out. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing too. Is I was disappointed one that they were still doing it, but I was also disappointed about how they went about it. And then, then I was also disappointed about how some people like protected that individual by saying, oh, it's so difficult to create a space for indigenous women and I was like but this space is exclusive um, it's not inclusive and it's like I get well, I, you know anybody who does that it's not an easy task especially in this very patriarchal society but 
when you do, when you're carving out a space like that, I think you should also be, you should have some responsibility in going about it. And I think they did not do that, per, you know, they didn't do that well. And then some people, again, were mentioning a specific individual. And I was like, look, I didn't say anybody's name because one, me calling them out for certain things they've done does not negate the rest of the work they've done. It just means that there's this issue that they could, you know, work on. That's it. And then, you know, again, like I said, it's a responsibility of that whole collective uh, of people who are putting this together. And someone, and this is the thing, someone should have noticed that, you know? Like, if there's a lot of them, why didn't one of them just be like, hey, like, you see all these comments, why are you still doing it, you know? Again, that's what the, and I don't know what their mechanisms of, like, who runs a page or one. I don't know that. But my understanding was that, like, no one did that. And there's a lot of them. Like, I, I'd be a little bit more lenient, just a tad bit, if it was just one person. But there was, like, multiple of them. And it just did not fare out well. So, in, in the context of indigenous feminism, you can't be exclusive to the trans or even Afro-indigenous communities. That probably will specify who we're talking about. Damn. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you can't do that. And you can't silence the people who are doing that. I've had some women tell me that, like, oh, it's not about you. And it's like, well, what am I, like, what? what? That's, that's the thing, like, I just, it blew up and it got messy. And I, yeah, like, how a lot of, well, not how a lot of people are saying, but just, like, personal conversations. Like, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, they, you know, they they did it to themselves because yeah, that's exactly multiple times people have made commentary about it but um yeah like you like you know you you kind of um put yourself in that position to be an an ally or an accomplice or whatever mm -hmm. to to women to trans women to you know femme community mm -hmm. and then you know you get hated on for it <laughs> and it's just like are you kidding me like yeah. <laughs> like, what did you expect? Um, and the thing, too, is uh, their argument is, like, it could have been done better. Or it could have been done differently. It's like, but it's been it's been done so many times mm -hmm. that you should have picked up on it. And and that's the issue. And that's my thing. It's like, when it call-out culture works, and I, this is, I would say, is for the most part, when you have these large organizations, you know, that you know you can't talk to any of them because you don't know who's behind it for the most part. So you just got to call out the organization or the collective or whatever they call themselves and then just hope that they listen and in this case it I don't know we'll see I, I hope that they stick by their statement I haven't read it because again I'm still blocked um, so please if you're listening to this and you're one of the, the members of that organization unblock everybody that you blocked because they were critiquing you because you're still going to be in the same spot. You're still silencing them. And actually follow through with it. I mean, some small suggestions include those people, like those communities, in what you produce. It's not that difficult. But, yeah, respect. Damn it, respect. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, you know, I, I think it's good. I hope... To whoever listens to this understands what being human's all about. Respect. And land. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> land again. <laughs> um, Joe, it's like, it's, like, it's like you make a, a list of the two things you need in indigenous. Respect and land. I'm just kidding, no. Um, <laughs> it's like the, that's Marley's, no, anyways. Um, yeah, thank you. Appreciate this. Also... It's still loud as fuck in here. Yeah. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? I already asked for that, right? Do you have any extra final thoughts? You want, um, got any more shade, throw, shade to throw? No, I'm out of shade, too. I mean, I do, but I want to go off record. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you have a good day. Um, thank you, Cody. Yeah. Also, another thing. Anybody who listens to this podcast... And supports Jonathan Nez. Um, 
I don't I don't know how upfront I can be on this podcast. You wanted to say fuck Jonathan Nez? Oh, yeah. You're what I say it's, I'll, I'll say fuck Jonathan Nez. Okay, yeah. Anybody who respects or supports Jonathan Nez can go fuck themselves, honestly. Jonathan, I personally asked Jonathan Nez um, what his... Um, what did I ask him? He came to Flagstaff or something. He was being... Honored. Oh. No, he was being honored because he graduated from NAU. Um, in something science. I'm not sure what it was. Um, oh, I had asked him um, if you were to get elected, what would be your proposal for protecting trans, um, the trans and queer community on Navajo without inserting the aspect of eh? Mm-hmm. Because you know how it goes. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's like their, their thing. Right? That's their go-to. Yeah. And he didn't talk about, you know, suicide prevention programs, mm-hmm. housing <clears throat> for trans and queer community on Navajo. None of that. He kind of just... He put it on the individual. Like, be nice to your... Yeah, yeah. Man. And it was... It was he asked me then he asked me after that question, like, does that answer your question? And I was just like, no, it doesn't. Like... Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Ending this, ending this Wait, conversation. Kind Just of brought, kidding. You Never brought, mind. Yeah, you brought some more though, cause like. Let's, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, I think Navajo politics always ignores those communities, um, and then that you point out what I think is what a lot of the times happen. They'll fucking talk about veterans and give like actual policy, like we're gonna give them veterans' housings. You know, we're going to give them assistance, but then it's like the trans community, the non-binary community, what are you going to do about them? And then it's just like crickets, and then someone goes, okay, mm-hmm. we need, and then, and then they won't do anything structurally, mm-hmm. they won't do anything from the government, you know, and it's so fucking bullshit, like, come on. Yeah, fuck Jonathan Ness. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and his, and his vice president, let's see, who was the other, Joe Shirley would have, yeah, he would have, yeah, fuck Joe Shirley too, but. Most of them. We're going record. Trouble. Just fuck. Just fuck the whole NN government. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah, it's, it's hard to find a good, a good relative in the Navajo government because the Navajo government itself, it, it makes people bad. I think it, I, that's my thesis. Is that I would say it conditions people to be in a certain way that's negative, that's not conducive to indigenous liberation, which trans liberation and, and all the other uh, communities. But yeah. That's a good note. We'll I believe that. Yeah. One more time. Fuck Jonathan. Fuck Jonathan Nez. And if you voted for him, what the fuck? Go, yeah. What the fuck? I hope I don't get winched for saying all this. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure no one gets a piece of your hair. <laughs> well, I've been witched, so I'm good. I mean, I think by the fifth episode, I'm pretty sure I've been witched a lot of times. <laughs> but um, thank you. I appreciate it. This is, a, this is a good ending to end on.